feel so personal, don't they? Sick body, a sick kid, loss of a job, financial struggle. It just seems so personal because it's our problem, right? And we want to react and we want to try to fix the, the problem ourselves. But the Lord just says, be still. Amen. I am enough. I'm going to work it out if you just trust in me. Amen. Anybody else believe that? Amen. And he's always there for us to come through. And in our silence and our moments of just waiting is where we grow in our faith in God. You know, I don't want to leave any kind of struggle or difficulty without learning something from it or pulling something out of it. And if anything else, whether it turns out the way I want it to or not, I do know this. I've made it through another struggle. Amen. I trust him through all the emotion and all the turmoil and all the stuff that's going through my, my heart and my life. But I continue to stand still in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And for that, I'm so grateful that he's there to stand with us. Praise God. Amen. I want to thank you for the pastor appreciation here from the church and individual uh, meals on that that you have uh, given to us. We do this because we are just very, very, uh, well, you almost have to be called to do it, to be honest with you. I was talking to Brother Scott at the, the camp out. I said, if it's not for the call of God, then you got to run away from that kind of call or that kind of uh, work and responsibility. But it is truly, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, it is a joy to be the pastor of Apostolic Revival Church. And I thank you for allowing me to fulfill my call by serving you at this church. And I thank you very much. Amen. Uh, we have had a very busy weekend, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, the kids had, a, the girls had a youth outing uh, with their uh, youth pastor's wife, and they had a great time. And then we had the men's camp out, and I want to thank Brother Scott for hosting that. That's always a great time sitting around a fire and eating a bunch of hot dogs and Brother Nick's chili and some peach cobbler afterwards, and that's always a great time. And then last night, uh, yesterday evening, they had the uh, painting party that Sister Andrea put together, and it just seems like we are an active church. We got a lot going on, but it's fun stuff. It's good stuff. And uh, so I want to thank those who are a part of that and uh, uh, being able to just uh, bring us together. There's nothing like being with the body of believers uh, just fellowshipping and, and being brothers and sisters to one another. And I, I do celebrate the body of Christ. We've got a great body of believers here. And uh, it is something to be very thankful for and to just take advantage of. We need to take advantage of that opportunity to be with the greatest people on earth. Amen. The people of God. Give yourself a hand clap. Amen. For being the body that you are. Amen. If you'll turn with me to Psalm chapter 106, and we are going to look at, at verse number 7. This is a scripture that, uh, that I'm going to focus on in verse number 15 that I've never even known was here. I, I've read it many times, but I never focused on the scripture. And I feel like the Lord has a word for his people today. And uh, understand, I, I, uh, I believe in this body. I've, I commend this body. I think that you're a very hardworking, dedicated group of people. And uh, I said last Sunday, and I say it again, you are a great church. You truly are. You've, you've gone from being a, a good church to being a great church. 
And, uh, but we need to maintain that. We need to continue to be the church that God has called us to be. And I think that in order to continue that path and that progress that's being made, there must be progress being made in the future. We cannot just look at the path and say, well, look where I came from to where I am today and then just be satisfied. We can't do that. We cannot top out and hit a place of complacency and feel like we've just hit the roof. You know, we hit the ceiling on how far we can go. That's not the plan of God. Amen. I believe that the plan of God for the apostolic church is to continue to be what God has called us to be in the hour that we live in, because this is a very interesting hour that we live in. And with all the activity going on in darkness, we need the activity of the light Amen. We need the activity of the Holy Ghost to not only match, but to supersede what's going on out there. Oh, hallelujah. I believe that. Amen. And so verse number seven says, Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his, for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be made known. In other words, God, in the midst of their uh, dissension, in the midst of their complacency, in the midst of their negativity, for his namesake, he did a work for them and, and, and still saved them from the Red Sea. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up, so he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And I want you to notice verse number 15 here. Very unique verse. And he gave them their request. It wasn't a positive request. It wasn't the best request that they could ask of the Lord. In fact, it was not only second best, but it was probably way down the, on the, line, down the line. But the Bible says he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Amen. He gave them their request, but they paid a price for it. They paid a price for their second best. And that's what I want to preach tonight or today on is simply second best. I wonder if we could put our Bibles down and let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's ask him to anoint, amen, these lips of clay in our ears that we might receive what thus saith the word of the Lord. God, I thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for already speaking to us, God. Thank you for the beautiful drama, Lord, ministry that went forth today, God. We thank you for the worship and the praise, God. But Lord, I pray that you'll speak through your word. God, help us, I pray, Lord, to heed the word of the Lord, God, that we can continue to be the great church that you have called us to be. Lord, that we can maintain a standard, Lord, of excellence, God, that we can see people pray through to the Holy Ghost, Lord, and be baptized where signs and wonders and miracles take place, God, often, Lord. We want to maintain that standard, Lord, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord.
Praise God. Amen. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? Amen. You may be seated. Recently, I read some interesting statistics concerning human potential. And this is what I found, and it's just kind of remarkable the way the 80-20 principle works in in every area, and here here we see it again. 10% of the population succeed at what they set out to accomplish. Another 10% live in defeat. Having abandoned their dreams, it's found that they cope with their failures by turning to drugs and alcohol. Also, they live a defeated lifestyle. So we find that 10% at the top are satisfied, and we find that 10% on the bottom are miserable. But the 80%, somewhere in the middle, what they do is they simply endure. The group of 80%, they have dreams that they feel that will never uh, be fulfilled. They will never accomplish the goals that they set out for. Uh, They live out their lives many times in a slight frustration or maybe uh, just in a frustration. They are discontented. They are lonely. They are frustrated. Bright hopes uh, out of their lives is just kind of a glimmer of what it used to be. They are faded. The dreams are no longer there. And they have an understanding that this is my lot in life. They think this is what I expected now, and this is what I'm going to get. It wasn't initially when I started my journey that I was expecting this kind of life, uh, but this is where I'm at. They figure this is their lot in life, and this is as good as it's going to get, so I might as well accept it. They decide to settle for second best. They join the ranks of the 80% that simply endure, that they simply get by and maintain. They are stuck there unless a change takes place in their life. Begin to look in the Old Testament, and of course in this psalm, it's referring to the children of Israel. So this would be my first example on what to look at with just living with the second best. They found themselves, we know the story very well, they find themselves in the wilderness and they are wandering for 40 years, the sum total of 40 years. And, and so we know that they are miserable. And, and God, after so much time and after the, the first generation was pretty well uh, died off, that he began to nudge them into his will. And he made sure that I'm going to put you where you ought to be. But they were living all those years, all that time. They were so excited when they left Egypt that they were going to just have a a God that was going to bring them to a, a level where all the world would be in awe of what was being accomplished. But they found themselves living second best. Uh, amen. They were just kind of settling with life uh, for what it was. And I, I want to ask the church the question today. I want to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of, of second best. Are you living second best? Are you living in a place, and let me answer the question for you whether or not it's a yes or no. If you're living by faith and your faith is just kind of not where it used to be, or your faith is not in the supernatural, or you're not first looking for God to, to come through and perform a miracle like you've never seen before, but you almost accept your, your dilemma you're in and, and you just kind of find yourself floating along and, and just kind of enduring life. And, and every day you wake up, you're thinking, if I can just get through another week or if I can even get through this day today, everything is going to be okay. 
I believe that by living that type of life that we are living second best, uh, that we're not allowing God to be what he ought to be in our lives, uh, that our hope is just kind of uh, dashed by the fact that, that life has just beat us up a little bit and it's, it's put us uh, uh, through the ringer. And, and as a result, I'm tired of, of looking for something better. Or I'm tra- tired of, of praying the prayer of faith uh, that I just seems like it's not happening and, and I'm not getting exactly what I would like to get from the Lord. How do you know whether or not that you're just settling by uh, 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 the second best? I, I believe that we just kind of get into the mundane and uh, uh, we just kind of get out the shovel and just start digging the, the ditches of, of just doing and being and, and just uh, almost without uh, even thinking about it. We're just in a, in a rut of life. Amen. And we just know that we need to do certain things, uh, but there's no supernatural move uh, of God in our hearts uh, or in our lives. Uh, uh, but I want to encourage you uh, not to lose sight uh, of the supernatural element uh, that comes with making God uh, number one in your life. Amen. I believe that sometimes we just get to a a point in our life uh, where we just settle in uh, and we think, God, I'm going to work this thing out. I'm I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired uh, of standing still, uh, like the drama song said. Uh, I'm just tired of fighting God uh, and trying to move uh, into a supernatural place. Uh, But what God is trying to say to the church, uh, don't lose your faith uh, in the supernatural. Uh, Don't lose faith uh, in knowing that God uh, has called us to be apostolic. Like uh, Pentecostals, uh, where signs and wonders uh, and miracles uh, take place in our life daily. Praise God. Came across this scripture a little while ago, about a week ago, read in the text, and it made me start thinking uh, about, Lord, what could it be that would cause me for my soul to become lean in you? The only thing that I could think of was that it would cause us to, uh, for God to send leanness into our soul is that we don't have our priorities exactly the way they should be. You can call it settling for the American dream, or you can call it settling uh, for the permissive will of God instead of the perfect will of God. But there's no denying what David was trying to say about God in Psalm chapter 106 and verse number 15. He said, and he or God gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Not putting faith in Jesus, hallelujah, is the same as requesting that we will just have second best. Not going to the Lord with all of our burdens and all of our cares and trying to just do things on our own or maybe the counsel of other people or depending upon the body of believers, I believe is second best. But when we allow God's Spirit to move in our hearts and lives and we allow the continual presence of God every single day, day of our lives uh, to walk before us, uh, then we are saying, God, uh, I'm not going to allow anything uh, to supersede your will uh, and what you want to do, but God, I'm going to follow in the perfect plan of God. Amen. Now, second best, uh, what begins to happen is that we frequently make the mistake uh, of limiting the call of God to the initial experience that we received when we got the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry, but I'm not of the mindset that once you get the Holy Ghost and you pray through for the first time, that that's enough for you. 
I don't think that we ought to say, well, I got the Holy Ghost back in 19-something or 2000 and whatever, and, and I got the Holy Ghost, and I, I, I repented of my sins, and I was baptized uh, in Jesus' name when I was 8 years old. Uh, amen. And when I was 10 years old, I got the, I got the Holy Ghost. So therefore, uh, I am apostolic Pentecostal. But I say this, uh, we are not apostolic Pentecostal unless the Holy Ghost uh, is moving uh, in our lives. Uh, we can't just say because because we got the Holy Ghost uh, one time, uh, that that's enough just to sit on it uh, and not let God's supernatural power uh, move in the church uh, of the living God. Uh, we need to awaken something inside of our spirits uh, and say, God, stir up uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and if you need a rebaptism uh, of the Holy Ghost, uh, you ought to lift up your hands uh, and say, God, refill me uh, with the baptism uh, of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But you know what? There's a pathway of faith. Just because you got the Holy Ghost and you prayed through when you were younger, maybe later in life, doesn't mean that all your problems and, and everything is set for the rest of your life. But there is a pathway that we are to walk. And on this pathway, many times it's not laid out the way that, that we, we think it ought to be or maybe we'd want it to be. But it's a pathway many times of just living by faith, about every day saying, God, I'm going to live for you. And I don't know what this path is going to lead to. And I don't really know exactly what I have to go through with you, Lord. But I, I do know one thing. I'm going to abide in your presence. Uh, and I'm going to follow your presence every day. God, I'm going to make sure that I'm on this pathway uh, of holiness, this highway of holiness, if you will. That, God, I'm not going to veer to the left or to the right. Uh, I'm not going to make my own rules, God. Uh, I'm not out of convenience uh, going to justify my actions, Lord. Uh, but whatever thus saith the word uh, of the Lord, uh, God, I want you to know that is my pathway right there. Uh, this is my road map. Uh, I want to follow the word of God. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm where I ought to be uh, according to your word and your will. But what happens, it's inevitable that the choices must be made every single day between the supreme and to the secondary, whether the priority or something that's just kind of uh, laying out there, between the lofty and the low, between uh, uh, our self-pleasing uh, to saying, God, uh, I want to please you. Uh, Lord, I'm not just looking to, to please my family or my flesh, uh, Lord, but I want to please you uh, every day. Uh, when I come into the house of the Lord, uh, God, I know i got some needs here today, and we take prayer requests every time we come together. Uh, and that's my heartbeat is that God would meet uh, your needs. Uh, but we got to look beyond ourselves uh, and say, God, I'm not just here for me, uh, but, Lord, I want you to know that I'm really here for you. Uh, I'm here to lift up your name. Uh, I'm here to praise you, God. Uh, I'm here to give you all the glory. And whatever I have inside of me, I'm going to offer to the best of my ability. Amen. That's the choices that we have to make. But we need to be aware of the ever-present necessity of being aware of the enemy's ways of keeping us from, the, from, from, from being saved and being on his perfect path. Now keep in mind that most of the danger that we have that's out there it has to do more with just loving truth more than we love the world. 
Now, I don't want to oversimplify it. I'm not accusing anybody in this building of loving the world more than you love truth. Uh, I don't know of a person here that has the intention uh, of saying, I'd rather uh, go out to the world or please the world than I would of uh, pleasing the Lord. Uh, but the devil is very subtle. And he tries to bring in things into our lives that we're not even aware that we're making uh, that decision of saying, God, uh, you're going to have to get in the back seat here. Uh, I've got a priority. Uh, I've, got a, I've got something that's uh, more comforting or something that will uh, make me feel better today, Lord, uh, than putting you as number one. Uh, and he's very subtle at doing it. It's not about uh, us doing anything wrong necessarily. Uh, it's not about sinning. Uh, but it's just kind of putting God, uh, amen, on the sideline uh, or saying, God, this is, uh, this is a little bit more important at the time right now, God. Uh, not in the big picture. They're the most important thing uh, in my life. But Lord, uh, right now I want you to know that I'm going to put this uh, a little bit on the backside, uh, amen, of, of, of my life. And, and, and what my will is, God, is more important than what your will is. Uh, and we find ourselves uh, just working uh, and taking care of our families, uh, amen. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've got the utmost uh, respect for moms and dads uh, that take care of their families, uh, amen. But I want you to know there's a point in our lives uh, where sometimes we got to rip out uh, of, the, of the rut that we're in. Uh, we've got to say, God, I want the supernatural power of God to move. Uh, I want my kids to see something greater uh, than me just being a hard worker. Can I get an amen? Praise God. The most common danger uh, is that that truth, uh, amen, is just kind of pushed to the side. Uh, and the world just begins to scream out uh, the way it screams out. It's very enticing. Uh, it'll do anything it can to take our time. Uh, it'll take everything uh, in us sometimes just to get on our knees at home. Uh, amen. When we've got plenty of time to do it. Uh, but the world just kind of pulls us, doesn't it? Uh, uh, we're weary. We're tired. Uh, we're doing the best we can. Uh, but I want you to know that sometimes uh, we've got to wake up and say, God, uh, I'm going to give you the first uh, of my ability and my energy uh, and what I have to offer you. There's a subtle temptation, I think, that many times that we begin to choose the temporary over the eternal. And I, again, I, I'm not saying that we ought not to work. I'm not saying that we ought not to take care of our families. But there are so many obligations that we begin to put on the list, don't we? <laughs> You know, there are some things that are very, very important that we have to do no matter what. Food, shelter, clothing, those are, are the basics. But it seems like sometimes our list uh, gets longer and longer. Uh, amen. It starts to steal our, our time a little more to where whatever it comes to the house of God and the things uh, of God, it's just, uh, I don't know if I have time for that. But uh, I think it was us, we were talking uh, uh, Friday night that, you know, everything just revolved around uh, the church. Uh, Brother Mobley, we were talking about it. Uh, amen. I remember this kids, uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on in the world, it seemed like, uh, and there was, uh, but you know what the priority was? Uh, it was the house of God. Uh, it was the things of God. There was no other uh, alternatives, really, uh, outside the house of God or the things of God, uh, and if there wasn't something going on at church, uh, then that's fine, uh, but when it came to the things of God, uh, that was first and foremost. Uh, church, we've got to wake up to, the, to, to protecting what we have. Uh, we've got a great involvement. I think God for that. I already commended you for that. Uh, but in order to preserve what we have, uh, we've got to make sure that the things of God uh, are first and foremost uh, in our families. If you believe that, would you clap your hands to the Lord? You see, second best is illustrated through the children of Israel, to whom these words originally referred to in the text that we read. 
God's best for the Israelites was that they should have no earthly king. God himself would be their, their king. And so the uniqueness of a theocracy was very, very rare in that day. In fact, that was the first time that God uh, would try to pull this off. He said, I will be your king. And not only that, I will be your God. And I will take care of my people. And that was the plan that God had for the children of Israel. He wanted to make sure that Israel was an example to the world. You know, when they were looking at the children of Israel, they were like, wow, look at that nation. Look at, look at what, how they've been blessed by God. Look, at the, look how far along they are, how much further they are than all the, the nations of the world. And, and he, excuse me, he wanted Israel to make sure that they were a beacon to the world, that they could be the example of the supernatural power of God. And so we see here as the uniqueness of, of who they were was their identity. Amen. They were peculiar. They were different. They weren't like the world. They stood out from the world. Amen. Does it sound familiar? They weren't just to blend in. They weren't to be like everybody else. Uh, but God said, I want a peculiar people. Uh, I want to be your king. Uh, I want to supply your needs. Uh, and when it comes to your kids being sick, uh, your shoes wearing out, uh, I want to show you the supernatural power that I have through my people. And so they said, the prophet of God, this is what the prophet of God said to, to God himself. He said, make us a king. We want to be like other nations. We, we want to be a monarchy with all of its splendor. We want a, a king who will lead us to battle and give us a, a place among the other nations. Uh, amen. In other words, we want Lord uh, to keep score of what's out there. God, we want to show the world how great we are. Oops, I mean how good you are. God, we want to show the world how powerful we, excuse me, we are. I want, I want to just, I, Lord, I want to make sure that the world knows uh, how powerful we are. I mean, you are God. And so we can do the works uh, and we can get all these armies together. Uh, and my king is better than your king. Uh, my earthly king can outdo your earthly king. Uh, but God said, you know what? That's not my plan. Uh, that's only second best. Uh, but God said, you know, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. Uh, and so they were able to, to have their earthly king. Uh, but you know what happened to them? They they lost their national love for the Lord. Uh, they lost their peculiar way uh, of living for God. Uh, they no longer had their unique ability uh, to show who they were unique from everybody else. Uh, they became like everybody else. Uh, they blended in like everybody else. Uh, and they lost their uniqueness and their love uh, as a nation for the things of God. But God, however, did not leave them. He did not say, well, because you disobeyed me, I'm going to just turn you over uh, to the world and you're going to be destroyed. That wasn't the intention of the Lord at all. He said, in effect, very well, make yourself a king. You be who you want to be, but you will learn the lesson of what happens at the end when you make, make an earthly king your king. So the nation's history shows the peril of what took place. And, and we know that Israel, to this day, they are a divided nation. Uh, or they are a nation that's scattered out throughout the world. Uh, and we know that God brought them back together as a nation, but they paid a price for it. Uh, they're, they're scattered everywhere. The Jewish people are scattered throughout the world uh, because they were destroyed and divided uh, uh, many times. Uh, amen. So on the north side, we have Syria. On the south side, we have Egypt. Uh, if there's anybody that needed protection, it was Israel. <clears throat> but they said, God, we can do it ourselves. 
Give us a good king. Give us a, a supreme uh, uh, monarch, and we'll be able to just uh, uh, supply every need we have because we want to be like everyone else. Uh, but sooner or later, there would be a conflict. Uh, and we know the story about the, the d- division of, of, of Judea, uh, Judah and, and Israel. The southern kingdom of Judah was split from the northern kingdom of Israel. And we know that they w- both went into captivity, and we know the story. Uh, we can read throughout the minor prophets uh, what had taken place to Israel. So this is a very, very sad story. Uh, God said, you want it? I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to disown you, but my hand uh, is being taken off of your life uh, because I am second best. Amen. Soon it wasn't long after that that they chose after they, they chose their second best. Uh, amen. That there wasn't just a nation of Israel that had made that decision. Uh, but we also can read about in the, the Word of God about an individual named Solomon. Never really thought about this, but the more I thought about the, uh, what this uh, decision brought to Solomon, I realized uh, that he had given his second best or his second choice uh, to what God was willing to give to him. He said, Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. You can have it. Just ask right now, and I'm going to give it to you. But the Bible lets us know that he chose wisdom, that he might become a a great ruler, and that they would have the opportunity of becoming a great kingdom or a great power. We understand that he became strong and rich and successful. Yet at the end, the Bible says that he was almost like a castaway. The Bible says, and we read from Ecclesiastes earlier, vanity, all is vanity. In the midst of having all the blessings that he had, uh, amen, he was powerful. He was wealthy. Uh, he had all the wives and concubines that you could ever imagine. Uh, but one thing he didn't have, he didn't have the peace of God. Instead of just saying, God, uh, amen, I can have anything I want, uh, then Lord, I want holiness of heart. Uh, God, I want to have a pure mind. Uh, God, I want to make sure that I have a, 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 an intention, Lord, to, to follow after the things that are important uh, in my life. But instead, uh, give me all the wisdom. Lord, uh, give me the ability to be powerful, but that was only second choice, and we know where that got him. See, God allows humanity to make a lot of choices in their life, uh, amen. What's best or what, what is just kind of secondary, or maybe uh, uh, tertiary, or maybe on down the line, and it just, uh, you know, there's really not a, a lot of priorities, because God, I'm just trying to make it, I'm trying to survive. Uh, Lord, I live in a world that, that I, I live in it every day, God, but God's saying, have faith uh, in me. Uh, quit looking at the earthly things of this life, uh, and have faith in me, and have confidence that I can be the God that's supreme in your life. Emptiness in the heart always leads to consequences of our choosing second best. See what happens, we don't ever think that the Lord just loves us so much that he'll make us choose the the right path or that we'll choose the right thing. You know, God, I I really, I'm I'm in the house of the Lord today and and God, I'm just tired. I'm not not feeling well, so I'm just going to give you a second best today, Lord. I I'm here, aren't I? You know, I'm, I'm doing what I know to do, God, to a point. Uh, but, God, I'm not going to give you my best because, Lord, uh, I'm just not feeling all that hot right now. I'm just really not in the mood uh, to give my very best. Uh, amen. But what God is saying, apostolic Pentecostals, uh, that every time we come to the house of God, uh, every time we do something for him, uh, we need to bring our A game there. Uh, we need to say, God, you are the best. Uh, and so, therefore, I'm going to give my very best uh, to you. Praise God. Every day we live and we are tested. 
Amen. To what foundation that we are building our life upon. Amen. We are tempted many times to take courses which, you know, where the material gain or the comfort is and, and just take advantage of our whatever is a priority at the moment. Short, there's a temptation to take, uh, take the way of the world rather than the way of Christ, to go with the multitude, uh, amen, and not with the master, to refuse God's will in favor of just uh, uh, the second best, uh, amen. But what is okay, but it's not really what I know that God would have me to choose. Uh, the thing chosen will lead us to leanness uh, in the soul uh, that David wrote about if we're not careful of making God first and foremost in our lives. Amen. And at this point, I'm going to take a little break in my message right now to just communicate with you because I want to be real here. I always want to be real. I'm not talking again about just forgetting the everyday duties that we have. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Uh, amen. I don't want to put a greater burden on you that you're thinking uh, there's no way that that can be done. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm saying we need to bring the Lord into our everyday duties. Uh, we need to say, Lord, bless what I have here going. Uh, God, what I'm doing right now, Lord, I know i got to go to work and i got to have the, 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 the responsibilities of my family. Uh, but, Lord, I want you to know I want you to be a part uh, of everything that's going on in my life, God. I, I can't keep an eye on my kids all the time, Lord, uh, but you can. Uh, God, I can't keep them safe, uh, but I know you can. Uh, God, I know the path uh, that they're supposed to take, Lord, uh, but I want you to lead them and guide them uh, every day, Lord. Uh, make sure that you are a part uh, of everything that's going on in my life. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. It's so important. So important to be in line with the Lord. I'll never forget a few years ago, and this isn't in my message, but it just came to my mind that Anthony Mangan, he preached a message about making sure that we're just in plumb with the, with the Lord. And he was talking about the plumb line when you build and how important it is to, to make sure that you're accurate with that at the beginning, that, that you just don't, you don't veer from it and you don't, you don't get outside of it. And I began to think, and the Lord began to uh, speak to me this week about how as long as we're running parallel with the Lord, we are a-okay. Amen. I say that with confidence. Doesn't mean there won't be trials and a lot of heartache and pain, but we're okay spiritually. Amen. In fact, you know what? As long as we're running parallel with the Lord, we can go year after year after year and be okay. In fact, I'll tell you this. There's going to be times that maybe we're going to see the, 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 the line of the Lord is very straight. It is supernatural straight. You know what it's called? It's called truth. Oh, don't you love truth? Truth just excites me. It gives me security in, in a life that's very, very uh, uh, up in the air, very fickle. But truth is a straight line. And, and there will be times that while we're walking in the truth and, and very parallel with the truth that, that maybe we'll, we'll veer a little bit and, and then we, we get a, a clue and an understanding. Hey, I, I'm veering. Well, how did that happen? And, and we start steering back over to truth. Truth never changed. It never went anywhere. Amen. This church for the last, uh, since 1982, has been preaching the truth. And it hasn't gone anywhere. There's been people leave the truth, and they veered many, many different directions in different ways. Uh, amen. Not, uh, you know, they, they veered many, many ways. But you know what? Uh, the church is still marching on. 
The truth is still being preached uh, at Apostolic Revival Church. Uh, and you know what? It will never change. The Word of God uh, is forever settled, uh, and it will not change. Uh, and some people are veered away, and they have come back uh, uh, to the line uh, of truth, uh, and they walk parallel with truth again. Uh, amen. But, but one thing that we need to understand, uh, that when there's a slightest deflection from truth uh, or being parallel with truth in the Word of God, uh, what begins to happen is you begin to veer ever so slowly. Uh, amen. I'll tell you how, how subtle it is, and this is what I'm talking about with the enemy. Uh, he's very subtle, uh, and nobody really notices uh, about the veering from truth. Uh, usually it's the pastor that sees it first. Uh, usually I'm able to see it. That, that you know, There's something wrong here. You're making a, a wrong decision. Uh, you're putting other things ahead, uh, ahead of the things of God, uh, and usually I can spot it pretty well at the beginning, uh, but nobody else can spot it because it's very subtle. Amen. Man, it's a very, very subtle, very, very slow fade, if you will. But after time of walking, uh, amen, in the wrong direction, uh, pretty soon you've got something like this going on. Uh, it could take a month. Uh, it could take a year. Uh, it could take 10 years. Uh, but before you know it, everybody knows where you're at. Uh, there's no hiding. Uh, there's no subtlety about it. Uh, amen. You veered for so long in the wrong direction uh, that you are no longer where you ought to be. Uh, this is where we've got to guard ourselves. Uh, see, what happens is second best uh, will cause us to, to compromise the truth, uh, and it will point us in the wrong direction. Uh, instead of being pointed with parallel, being parallel with the truth, uh, we're pointed a little bit in the wrong direction. Uh, oh, it's only second best. Uh, it's not first best. Uh, it could be worse. Uh, oh, it's just a real subtle fade, uh, but I want you to know after time uh, and going in the wrong direction, uh, you will be exposed for who you are. Uh, amen. In other words, you're not putting God first. Uh, you are not seeking the kingdom of uh, of God first, uh, but you're seeking the kingdom uh, of man first. Uh, and before you know it, you're going to be over here, uh, and truth is still marching on. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You've compromised, uh, amen, and it may be one person here today, uh, but you've just compromised something, whether it be paying your tithe or, or being to, to church activities or being faithful to the kingdom uh, of God. I don't know what it is, uh, but you're just making it second best. Uh, after time, I want you to know if you keep going uh, in that direction, you'll find yourself away from the body of Christ is what happens, and this has been on my mind the last couple of weeks, and I've talked to some of you about this. It wasn't the funeral that saddened me, because I know where Kevin ended up. I know where he's in heaven. That didn't bother me. The funeral didn't really bother me. The service, I was thankful for the word of God that went forth. Uh, I'll tell you what bothered me is people that are still walking their life, uh, but they're not living in truth, uh, and they don't even seem to care. That bothers me really bad. Amen. It bothers me when they don't even realize the fate and how far they've gone away from the truth uh, of God's word and what they've stood for and what they stand for. Uh, but it's almost like there's just a, a fading away or just a, a way that's, that's become acceptable in their minds. Uh, church, we've got to make sure that we love truth uh, more than anything else. Uh, amen. I don't want to wake up one day uh, and be so far from the body and say, well, uh, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I'm still going to go to heaven. Uh, hey, if we're not in the word of God, uh, if if we're not in the truth of God's word, uh, we are not going to go to heaven. Uh, amen. We're not going to make uh, the kingdom of God first uh, and seek him first. Uh, we will not be in the kingdom of God. Praise God. Sometimes I wish the last few years that I'd preach maybe a little bit more, more direct. 
Amen. Maybe that would be what would wake them up. Uh, amen. Sometimes I, and I know I, this is all uh, things that are out of my control, but maybe I could have shook them a little bit. Uh, maybe I could have shaken her a little bit and said, you know, uh, do you realize what's going on? Uh, do you understand the direction uh, that you're headed in? Uh, I see it. I know where you're at. Uh, I know the decisions you're making today. Uh, you're going to pay a price tomorrow. Amen. And sometimes I think about, is there anything else uh, that I could have done? Uh, amen. But there's something I can do right now. Uh, church, you need to keep your eyes uh, on Jesus. Uh, you better put him first uh, and foremost uh, in your life uh, and not listen to the spirit of the world. Amen. When he made us, he made us peculiar in his personal way. And he set things Amen. In motion in our life and in certain circumstances that he's allowed us to face in our life. And I'm, I'm in awe of some of the things that some of you have been through and the difficulty of your past and present and I'm sure the future. Begin to think a little bit about that. Lord, why do we go through a different path and a different door of, of suffering at times and, and trials at times? And the Lord just he seemed to speak to me and said, I'm making them what they need to be. They are custom made. There's nobody that can be like them. And so your trial and what you're going through right now, I want you to know that's your trial. Amen. That God has given to you. Uh, what you've gone through the last two or three months has been very, very difficult. Uh, amen. Beyond words of what people even know what you've been through. But I'll tell you this, uh, uh, you and your wife are going to, you're going to reap some benefits from that. God, God's got a plan already in place. Uh, he knows what he's doing here. He knows the suffering uh, and the difficulty that has taken place. Uh, amen. But you know what? One thing I know, if I stay on the path, God, and you keep on working on me and molding me uh, and shaping me, God, uh, and I stay parallel with your plan and truth, uh, I know one thing. Uh, I'm going to put you first, Lord, uh, and I'm going to be exactly what you called uh, me to be, uh, and I'm going to be the creation that you would have me to be in you. Amen. There's no greater tragedy, I don't think, in this life than living lower and beneath what God would have a person live, what God has intended for us to be. I want to warn us parents that our children don't witness us choosing second best over what God has for us on a daily basis. Amen. I don't want them to have a skewed view of God. Amen. I don't want them to hear what's preached behind the pulpit and taught in Sunday school class and that they know in the word of God of seeking him first but when it comes to my lifestyle and my choices it just seems like God is is not number one what does that do to our children we might be okay we might be able to veer back and know hey yeah I got to get that right you know shame on me for even thinking that or making that choice uh, not really sin Lord but you know I'm going to get things back and in place but our kids are watching they're trying to scratch their heads thinking uh Hold on a minute. If this is the greatest thing that we're supposed to uh, be a part of, if the church is the most important, powerful uh, entity in the world, then, then why is it that it's second choice a lot of times? Uh, what, what, I don't understand the viewpoint of God here. Uh, amen. I see it according to the word and what's preached and, and what comes out of your mouth, but your, your lifestyle doesn't match up uh, with the words and the word of God that's spoken uh, about our devotion.
devotion to Him. Uh, amen. Church, I want to warn you, uh, mothers and fathers, I want to warn us uh, that we make sure that we are consistent uh, with our decisions uh, of living for the Lord uh, so they can see a viewpoint of God uh, that, yes, uh, mom and dad live a life uh, that God is first uh, and foremost. Uh, he is not second best, uh, but He is the most important thing uh, in their life. Amen. It's not job, hobby, career. Uh, it's not all these other things that can try to smother out the will of God. Uh, but I want them to know, uh, amen, I want to send a message to my kids like never before uh, that I believe what I preach. Uh, it's not just what I say and what I, I know is right in the Word of God, uh, but my actions uh, have to follow the words uh, that I preach. Uh, I hope I'm not being too much for anybody today, uh, but these are words that I believe will keep our children uh, in the church. Praise God. What a tragedy it is for a child that's been raised in the church to no longer have faith in the Lord. It's painful. It hurts. Amen. It hurts bad. Instead of seeking the kingdom of God first, what happens is that we're, we're just in that survival mode. Almost like that problem just knocked us off our feet. But instead of just standing there for and standing still like that song said that the drama team did and just waiting on the Lord, we begin to move and, and, and do our own thing of trying to overcorrect the tragedy that's taken place. Sometimes the best thing when it comes to an act, whenever your, your car's spinning out of control, they tell us in driver's ed, it's not to gun it, it's not to overcorrect, uh, it's to let your foot off the brake and just slow down. It's almost like just do nothing. And just let it correct itself. Hallelujah. When it comes to living for God, sometimes we, we don't need to overcorrect. Or we don't, we don't need to respond in an emotional way. Uh, and uh, just throw a bunch of emotion at it. But just say, God, uh, you know, I'm just going to stand there for. Uh, I, I don't understand this, Lord. It's, a, it's really blowing right now, God. But uh, if I can just stand, uh, amen, in parallel with the truth, God. Uh, I know everything's going to be okay. Kids, uh, amen, let's just stand together. Uh, let's make sure we don't understand this. Uh, and we don't know really what to do. Mom and dad doesn't know what to do. Uh, but I do know one thing. Uh, we're going to stay uh, in the truth. Uh, we're going to go to the house of the Lord tonight. Uh, we're going to worship him tonight. Uh, oh, with all that's going on right now, God, uh, I'm just going to be faithful to you. Uh, and I want you to know that if we are doing uh, what we know to do uh, and we are pointing in the right direction, uh, I want you to know tomorrow is going to take care of itself. Uh, God's going to make sure uh, that uh, tomorrow uh, is going to work out the way it should uh, because today uh, I sought first uh, the kingdom uh, of God. Amen. Amen. We find through the life of Christ while he was on earth as the musicians come a strong appeal to choose the highest call. Jesus consistently chose God's very best. He said it like this, I came not to do my own will that's, that's second best. But the will of him that sent me, that's first best. I came not to be ministered unto, that's second best. But to minister, that's first best. Jesus said, I come not to call the righteous merely second best, but that they would come to repentance, that the sinners would come to repentance. That is first best. 
And again, at the end of his life, whenever he had the cup that he was getting ready to drink from, the cup of bitterness, he knew that drinking from that cup was symbolic of him going to the cross. He said, I don't want to go to the cross. That's second best. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's first best. God, I, it's more convenient and an easier way, God, to choose second best. But Lord, I'm going to do what I know to do. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose first best. Praise God. As we stand together right now. Now for all of us, God's best is expressed in the call of Christ. This is, this is his first best right here. And we ought not to forget this. This is the first call. This is the first choice. He says, follow me. Follow me. Follow my will. In other words, have faith in me and not anything else. Don't put your faith in your family. Don't put your faith in your spouse. Don't put your faith in your kids or your job. Don't put your faith in the world. But he said this. This is first choice right here. Follow me. Follow me. And I believe that's what the Lord is trying to tell somebody here today. You need to make up your mind. Amen. I know this is old-fashioned preaching here. We don't hear a lot of this preaching anymore. It's more of a feel-good. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. And I believe in all of that. And I hope that I get some of that across at times. But more, I'm more concerned about your eternal soul than I am you making it through a work week. Let me say that one more time because I mean it from the depths of my soul. I would rather you go to heaven than to be motivated to make a lot of money this week. I'd rather, you, I'd rather you maybe be a little uncomfortable and sacrifice a little bit for the things of God, for Him personally, than to be comfortable in this life. I'd rather your kids be able to see the devotion of of pushing back a plate or prayer or, or doing something that's not as fun or convenient. Amen. That I put the things of God first. Because I want them to see the Lord for who He really should be. Not a secondary God. Not a convenient genie that I come to and Lord, if you don't answer my prayer, I'm offended at you. No, 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 no. See, that's a problem in the world today. He's become a genie. And if he doesn't come through for them, they're offended by that. That's not what it's supposed to be. He's supposed to be our Lord and our Savior. That means that, Lord, no matter what, you're still worthy of my praise. God, whether I get the answered prayer or not, Lord, uh, you're still worthy of my praise. And so at the end, when we give him our everything, God says, enter, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the the joy of the Lord. In other words, you've given me your first choice. I'm going to give you the good stuff. 
You've, you've given up some things of this life and you've given up the comfort. But come on, walk through here and see if it was worth it all. <laughs> Amen. What I have for you is the, the priority, the premium stuff. Uh, it's the very best that I have. Uh, I'm going to give to my soldier who walked arm in arm and hand in hand uh, and followed after the ranks uh, of the truth of God's word. And as we march into heaven, hallelujah, not as a cult, not as being manipulated, uh, hallelujah, but our eyes on Jesus Christ uh, and seeing him high and lifted up, uh, not because of a pastor, uh, not because of a leader, uh, not even because of a mom or dad, uh, but because I see the Lord high uh, and lifted up. Uh, I'm going to walk through the pearly gates, uh, amen, and I'm going to enter into the joy of the Lord. I wonder if, the, if some men could just grab your, your wives right now. Hallelujah. And make a commitment. And I wonder if you wives and you mothers, if you could gather your children around and start gathering them up right now and say, honey, I, I want to make sure that we put God first more than anything else. Family, I want to make sure that we are, we are a family unit that we're just bringing our very best uh, to our God. <laughs> Because we want to make sure that when we get to heaven, we are all there. Uh, that we know that we put him first and foremost in our lives. That it wasn't second best. That it wasn't a matter of, of convenience. But Lord, I gave my very, very best to you. Amen. I wonder if you dads could gather your... Get your wife, not gather your wives, but get your wife. And if you mothers could gather your children, hallelujah. And I wonder if we could make some commitments as a family right now. Hallelujah, I'm going to go get my wife, and I want my kids to come on over here. And I, I want to make sure that we are consistent with what we're doing. Amen. That my family more than anything else, that we are going to see the Lord first and foremost and high and lifted up in everything that we do. Amen. I wonder if you could make that commitment before the Lord right now that, God, you're no longer, you're not going to be second best, God, but you're going to be a priority in my life. In fact, God, it's going to come before convenience. Uh, it's going to come before rest, Lord. Uh, but, God, I'm going to do first things first. Uh, I'm going to make sure, God, that I gather my family, my wife, Lord. Uh, God, that I gather them together and we make a commitment together uh, that we're going to give everything to you right now. I wonder if we could just bring our sacrifice to an altar right now. I wonder if we can make some commitments right now to the Lord and say, God, I'm going to give you my everything. Lord, I don't want to be another stat of a backslider that falls away from the things of you, God. I want to protect what we have, Jesus. I want to make sure we do what's right, God. Lord, that I make decisions, Jesus, that put the things of you first in our lives. Amen. I wonder if there's anybody else that would make that commitment as a family. But we're here to build strong families. But we're here more than, more than anything else to go to heaven. God, I want to go to heaven more than anything else. I wonder if we could just pour out our heart to the Lord right now. God, I, I just give you my everything right now, Lord. God, I make a commitment.